This Irish Man Stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent and you stay for the principles. And today we are recording from an undisclosed location for security reasons. I'm only joking. I'm in Oklahoma. I want to start today's show by just sharing some personal news, and then I want to get into some deep topics with you because there's so much to discuss in our world. So for those that don't follow me on social media, my world has been completely crazy the last couple of weeks, hence why I missed last week's show. I am officially a married man. I married the love of my life, Tanya. And for security and legal reasons, I can't tell you what the plan is going forward because honestly, I don't know. All I know is I'm married and I am following strict advice from my attorney going through all the processes and even someone like me who knows the legal process quite well um, have realized how little I actually know about this process. So um, if you ask any questions privately or publicly, please do not be offended by the the lack of answers because a lot of the time it's I don't know and some of the times it's I can't publicly say. Um, But the process of me moving here and living here legally is well underway and I am so excited about that. So now on to some serious topics. And I want to talk to you about something called and I know you've probably never heard of this it's such a it's such an underreported story in our times right now that is COVID now before you tune out and go oh John I want to I don't want to talk about COVID I'm sick and tired of Fauci I'm sick and tired of COVID I'm sick and tired of the Omnicron I'm sick and tired of the debate about how we say Omnicron is it all these different words we're using I want to talk to you from a point of view of that you really need to hear. And that is from an American point of view. You know, I've been here now three months. And I've noticed a change in your people. And I get the pain and the frustration many of you hold. I get it. You feel beaten down. You feel battered. You're constantly bombarded with all these stories, with all these articles, with all these opinion people telling you, America sucks. America is a horrible place. America is just racist. It's xenophobic. There's all these trigger points. There's these dog whistles. I get it. I get that you're frustrated. I get that you're beaten down. I also get that you feel like you have no hope. But what I want to talk to you today is I want to highlight how much better America is dealing with COVID than every other nation in the history of the world. I want to tell you that because you do need to hear this. I'm not saying America is the model or the beacon that everyone should follow because America's got it perfect. You haven't. There's a lot of things that you do in your country right now that are flat out crazy. You're also been tempted to turn into a very dark nation. Let me give you just one story about this. I, This is such a horrible idea that I, I cannot recommend. If you're even thinking about doing this, I highly recommend you just reconsider and do some self-reflection. But you're, you know, you're a man of science. You know, if you question him, you're not questioning him. You're questioning science, Anthony Fauci gave an interview this week where he said, you know, it, it's time to, you know, for the Christmas party, I get we got to be with families and I got to, we want to be with loved ones and close family friends, but you should check their papers. 
You know, you shouldn't have an unvaccinated person there. It's a horrible idea. Horrible. You don't want to go down this road. You do not want to divide families on this issue. Now, I get maybe you have to be reassessed if you're very vulnerable that you don't want to be around someone. That's cool. Do what makes it work for you, but do not get to a point where you're like, nope, no papers, no entry in a family home. You're starting to see these demons come into your society. I get that. There's a lot of things America could have done better. A lot of things. But also, as much as you need to hear that, because your message is the Declaration of Independence, you have strayed from that quite a long time. And you strayed from it definitely during COVID. But also, it's time to self-reflect and go, yes, America has problems. Yes, we haven't done everything perfectly. But you know what? Despite all the doom and gloom, Despite all the the lack of hope in your nation right now, despite the, the constant bombardment of how horrible you are, despite all these obstacles, you've still dealt with COVID way better than any other nation. And I'm going to prove it to you. So for the last couple of weeks, maybe a month now, I've been living in Oklahoma. The tour is over because I had to sadly prematurely cut it short because of finances, because your country is crazy expensive. But I've been living in Oklahoma with my wife. I'm in Oklahoma. It's beautiful. Wonderful country. I'm out in the middle of nowhere. I'm in real rural America. And it's so amazing to live here. It's wonderful. I'm looking, I'm recording right now. I'm looking out at, because Tanya's property is wonderful. It's surrounded 360 degrees by trees. It's wonderful. I can't see a person in sight. Brilliant. When we go to the local town, it's like the local typical rural town in America. You know, there's a gas station, there's a Dollar General, you know, there's a few takeouts places, there's a, a car place, there's a church, there's a couple of churches, there's a school, and that's pretty much it. Oh, and there's a convenience store. That's it. Little rural town America. It's amazing. But I life here, you wouldn't think COVID was a thing. No one's talking about it. No one cares what Fauci says. I was in a post office in Oklahoma. I'm not going to share which one. I don't want to get people in trouble. But post office is a federal building. You would expect to wear a mask. I had to drop something off the other day, and I didn't do it on purpose. I genuinely forgot. Because honestly, since I've got here, the only time I've worn a mask is when I'm going to the airport to fly out somewhere. Every other time in general life, not worn it. And I haven't even got one on me. So I had to drop something into a post office. Went in, dropped off the letter, left. And then I was like driving i was like that's a federal building there should have been a should have been a mask and i checked it up and it's like you got to wear a mask in it because it's federal building no one wore a mask either customers or people who work there it's amazing it's wonderful it's a brilliant just this rebellious streak in america you have to appreciate this are there places in america that are bat s crazy yep new york what bill de blasio is doing now even though that's going to fail even in crazy New York, the courts are saying, nope. In case you don't know that story, what happened there was Bill de Blasio, who's leaving on his last few days in office, basically said, you know what we need to do? All businesses, we need a vaccine mandate. And the courts have already said, nope. In badass, crazy New York, they said, no. Look at what they're doing in Michigan. Look at what they're doing in California. It's amazing to see in not in a good way. It's absolutely amazing to see that people are still falling for this. But it's only in certain parts of your country. The vast majority of your country is just living life as normal.
Omicron, Omicron, Omni Comp, whatever Joe Biden and Fauci want to come together and call it. Just, no, we're not paying attention to it. We're just going to live our lives as we see fit. Some of us wear masks. Some of us don't. Some of us are vaccinated. Some of us aren't. Some of us have our booster shot. Some of us don't. But we're just living life. I want to compare what I just spoke about in America that's happening right now to what's happening in Europe. Because you need to understand what's going on around the rest of the world and admit that, yes, America has problems. Yes, America could do things better. But you know what? You're still dealing with it better than any other nation in the history of the world right now. So what's going on? Well, Europe. Let's start with Europe. You know, my old my old stomping grounds. Oh, how I miss Europe. Do you get the sarcasm in that? That's dripping in sarcasm, right? Let me say that again. Let me try and feign, you know, some type of sincerity. Oh, how I miss Europe. The good old days. No, I still can't do it. So Europe. Europe is one of the most vaccinated places in the world. So surely they're safe from, you know, lockdowns, right? Surely those people... You know, it's not those right-wing and Trump supporters in America who hate the vaccines and are just a bunch of anti-vaxxers. Surely Europe is in a way better position than America, right? I'm sure they're living life. I'm sure they're getting their freedoms, right? <laughs> yeah, because Europe has never, ever, ever really understood freedom. So what's happening in some of the places? Well, let's start with Germany, shall we? Because Germany's always a great place to start. You know, the, the Germans always get things right. Like, if you read German history, you will never, ever see a time, or you can never point to a time point in time in German history where, you know, the, the idea of being asked for your papers was a good thing. Like, that's never happened in Germany before. But that's exactly what they're doing right now. Because in Germany... When it's not in lockdown, if you're unvaxxed, quote-unquote, you're banned from public places. Hmm, see, can you see your papers? That has never happened in Germany before. Nothing, nothing bad will happen from this, right? What they're talking about now is a vaccine mandate. They're changing this. What's happening in Australia? Oh, by the way, in Germany, 68% of the population is fully jabbed and 3% have a single jab. And these include kids. What's happening in Australia or in Austria? The citizens are fully locked down. Doesn't matter whether you're vaccinated or not, you're locked down. What's the vaccination rate in Austria? It's 66% fully jabbed and 4% have a single jab. Will there be a vaccine mandate? Yes. The latest that will come into effect is next February. What's happening in Italy? Yet again, if you're unvaxxed, you're barred from most indoor spaces from this week. What happens about a vaccine mandate? There is no vaccine mandate. They're not talking about it. But if you're a worker, you must be jabbed to enter the workplace. What's Italy's vaccination rate? 73% fully vaccinated and 5% of single jabs. What's happening in France? Well, they're on lockdown as well. COVID passes are required for indoor spaces. And their vaccine mandate is required for all high-risk jobs, quote-unquote. But this is where you need to understand Europe is really good with their language. They'll, they'll talk about, well, we'll do a high-risk job. But what's high-risk? Like, who gets to define what's high-risk? You know, is a high-risk job like a coal miner? You know, getting up on structure and, on you know, going like 100 feet or 200 feet in the air and you're hanging from, you know, like a piece of rope to put in a piece of glass or to fix a piece of structure? What's a high-risk job? Is it in front of people? You see, they use these terminologies that are ever-flowing and ever-changing. 
and we can just change the definition. Well, you accepted high risk, you needed to be jabbed, and guess what happens? It's a slippery slope. What's happening in England? Well, England, despite having a really high vaccination rate, is going what they call the Plan B. Sounds great, don't they? You know, all these spin doctors, you know, what should we call the latest lockdown? We call it lockdown? No, we'll call it Plan B. Why? Because Plan A fails. Why did Plan A fail? Well, you see, despite having all these high vaccination rates, mm, cases are still going through the roof. Not many people are dying, thank God. Not many people are going to hospital. But the cases, oh, the cases are way out of control. And we can't have this. We need to have compliance. So what are they having? Well, they're bringing back face masks. Because face masks, having a piece of cloth, oh, that just works wonders in front of you. Especially these masks, you know, that are like little surgical masks. You know, it's it's wonderful. You have to work from home if you possibly can. Mm, that's going to work out well. You need a vaccine passport. A vaccine passport. Yep, if you want to go to places, you need that. And the good thing is, if you're close contact, you don't have to get, you know, you don't have to isolate. But you do have to take a daily, yes, a daily test. But don't worry, it's free. The government is paying for it. Because the government has a never-ending supply of money. And then lastly, I bring you to my old stomping grounds. Ireland. Ireland, oh, how Americans love to tell me. Irish people are so freedom-loving. They're just, oh, just, you know, it's it's like it's like Michael Collins, you know, freedom! You know, it's like the Scots are loving freedom. You know, William Wallace, freedom! Yeah! No, not really. The Irish people, despite one of the highest vaccination rates, not in the world, but in Europe, it's even higher than 66%. It's so high in Ireland, the Taoiseach is constantly reminding in press conferences, how amazing the Irish people are for doing their duty. Even highlighting and praising the young people. Oh, thank you for complying, and thank you for attending and and following the government guidelines of getting the job and doing your patriotic duty. Good job, comrade. What are they doing in Ireland despite all of this? Well, I can't say masks are back in Ireland because they never left. Even when cases were nothing. Oh, no, still got to wear a mask. Still got to social distance. Still got to wash your hands. The vice never changes. But they've brought in new restrictions. What is one of the restrictions they've brought in? Well, you see, despite COVID and despite study after study after study after study saying, if you're obese and you're overweight, you are more likely to get COVID and potentially die. Even despite that been an accepted principle of COVID, even though we can't agree on much else, we can agree on this. What do you need to have to enter a gym in Ireland? Yes, you need to have your vaccination papers. Because heaven forbid, if you're unvaccinated, by their language, you're a higher risk of getting COVID. And if you're overweight, you're at a higher, higher risk of getting COVID. But no, you still need your papers to get into the gym. Despite nightclubs being closed since the start of the pandemic, they reopened in late October with this new variant. Oh, you got to shut again. So you're a nightclub. You've been shut for like 500 days. You've just opened for a month and you're back closed. What else are they doing? Well, indoor events and concerts and things like that can only operate at a 50% capacity. Mm-hmm. Why is this? Because once government gets control, it never, ever, ever gives it up voluntarily. Why am I sharing what these stories are? To highlight how great America is. is because despite all the rhetoric, you don't have these situations right now. There's no one talking of a lockdown. 
No one's talking about added restrictions in your country. And if they do, there are people in your country who are like, oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. Not listening. Your country, is it flawed? Yep. Has it dealt with everything perfectly? Nope. But have you dealt with it better? Yes. And this is what you need to understand, and this is what you need to identify. There is a difference in the American people. There's a difference. You're more rebellious. You're the one nation that ever spoke about real freedom. You also have a collection of people who are like, you know what? No. No, that is not your job. You also have a set of people who will not listen. They will not comply. I don't know what percentage of the people are. We can debate it. Maybe it's 5%, maybe it's 10%, maybe it's 30%, maybe it's 40%. But there is a collection of people in America that is a very large percentage of people, a large chunk of millions of people, who will not comply. But also there's a difference in America. Not only are your people more rebellious, but you have an industry that is backed up by talking to you about principles. I'm blessed to be part of one of those networks. The blaze. We will not comply. We will not go down silent. And the amazing thing about the blaze, there are many good things and there are many bad things about the blaze. I'm not saying the blaze is the best company to work for, but you know one of the coolest things about working for the blaze is anytime some of my friends engage with me on the left and kind of go, well, all you right wingers are all the same. You all think alike. You all have the same opinions. I'm like, just look at the blaze talent. Just look at the company I work for, quote-unquote. Even though I don't work for them, I don't get a salary. This is all on a volunteer basis. One of the few who's a volunteer at the place. But look at our talent. Look how much we disagree on stuff. You put me and Glenn Beck, we disagree on quite a few things. On a gr- The list is growing, by the way. That's cool. We all have different opinions. We all have different outlooks in life. Put me and Mark Levin and Glenn Beck together. Just think of what... We'd find a lot of common ground, but we'd also disagree on a lot of different things. Then you add someone like, you know... Um, add someone like uh, Pat Gray to it or Keith Malinek, some of my buddies Stu Begeer, we would have a lot of common ground but we'd also have a lot of differences add Phil Robertson to it I'm sure there'd be more differences then add different people, you know, Elijah Schaefer we all would have our difference of opinion I'm not saying I'm right or they're wrong or vice versa but we have difference of opinions but you have different voices you also have our colleagues over at the Daily Wire fighting for you, people like Ben Shapiro Matt Walsh all these different, uh, Michael Knowles, all these different people. Again, put those three gentlemen in with the Blaze Mix, and you'd also have more disagreement. This is great. More voices, not less. But what is the difference? Why is this a different point to America, to for the rest of the world? Well, let me give you an op-ed. And I'm not going to read this op-ed, but I just wanted to read the headline, and I want to read one paragraph to you. There's a conservative, yes, a conservative, a right-winger, quote-unquote, in England. And he's very well known. Even people in America know him because he had a, he, you know, he's one of the few people who put Ben Shapiro in his place. And that hasn't happened an awful lot because Ben Shapiro openly admitted he was, he was wrong in, in identifying who this guy was. He didn't do his interview prep. But this guy is called Andrew Neal. He's a stalwart. He's been known for a long time. He is on the right, quote unquote. He is very much a, a you know, conservative leaning person. I'm not sure of his exact title because he, he's like Bill O'Reilly. He'll say he's an independent, but he, he more leans to the right. What did he publish this week? This is the title, and then I just want to read one par- par- 
uh, paragraph to you. This is from a right winger in England. It's time to punish Britain's 5 million vaccine refuseniks. They put us all at risk of more restrictions. So why shouldn't we curb some of their freedoms? When was the last time you heard a traditional right winger in America say this? And especially not just say this at any time, but say this 20 months into a pandemic. Sorry, 22 months into a pandemic. This is the difference in America. Am I saying you should accept everything? Nope. Accept nothing. Always strive for better. But also understand that your starting block, where you start, is better than every other place in the history of the world. It's time to stop hating America. It's time to actually have factual conversations going, hey, you know what? I don't like this about America. Hey, I have objections about America. Hey, I think we should do this or not do this and have those discussions. But the time to start saying America is is uh, is a good nation is now. And the time to stop saying America is fundamentally flawed, it's beaten, it's battered, its best days are behind her, that we can't do anything right, that we flat out suck right now, is time to stop is right now. We need to get to work, gang. We need to start building America up again. We need to start saying and reclaiming America's narrative, but also stop with the constant bombardment of America is bad, America is evil, America is racist, America is a really bad nation, and that America sucks. And start saying, yes, we have problems, but you know what? We're still better than a lot of other nations. Why? Because of our founding principles and our rebellious spirit inside our people. continue on this COVID discussion, but I want to take it in yet another different direction. I want to talk to you about philosophy today. I want to talk to you about basic first principles. I know I never do that on this show, right? <laughs> it's, it's This is new for me, so bear with me. I've never done this before. Sorry, I'm, very, I'm in a very sarcastic mood today. I'm on like about three hours sleep. You know one of the reasons America is better right now dealing with COVID than a lot of other nations? I just gave you Europe. But you know one thing I'm not hearing a debate on in America right now that we're hearing in Australia? The debate over, is it a concentration camp? Is it an internment camp? Or is it a summer camp? That's a debate going on in Australia right now. Like, have you ever thought of nations like, I thought Ireland was bad. At the start of the pandemic, Ireland was legitimately one of the worst places to live during the lockdown because the lockdown was so severe. We were worse than every other nation, and we did it longer than every other nation. And not only was it that bad, but when you live there and you see the people not only saying, yes, we want this, but we want more, it's truly a demoralizing place to live. I spoke about this on the show at length when I was living there and when I was going through it. It was even, it was horrible. It was not a fun place. But as bad as Ireland was, Australia's like, you know what? It's like, you know, it's like those challenges, you know, like, you know, I, I can do this. And then someone comes along and goes, here, hold my beer. I can do it way worse. As bad as Ireland was, you said to me a couple of, maybe a year ago, I'm not sure when Australia went absolutely crazy. But if you had said to me, can Ireland, can any country top what Ireland's done in terms of restrictions? I would have said, I'm sure it's possible, but maybe in China. 
Like where at the start you saw all these pictures of like literally molding people into the houses. You know, literally where they're putting up like steel doors. I might have said Cuba. I might have said, you know, Venezuela or Iran or North Korea. I'm sure they do horrific things to their people. But that's not the worst nation for lockdowns. The worst nation is actually a nice nation. I actually love their people. Their people are really good. Their people are friendly. Australia. Good eye, mate. Crikey. Let's go have a cold one. Very laid back. Really good people. I would always speak well of the Australian people. I don't like their government again, but, you know, the country's really nice from what I've been told. All By all accounts, it's a really nice nation. But that's a debate going on in Australia right now. In case you haven't been following it, it's they're locking people up. You know, if you if they're taking people off to government-run facilities, if you've got COVID or if you're entering the country. And there's a debate going on right now because someone like um, Tim Poole started, I believe, when he said it's a concentration camp, and he didn't use those words lightly. And then you have people responding back. Oh, no, it's not a concentration camp. It's a summer camp. Look, here's all these women in bikinis. Mm-hmm. But that's a debate happening in Australia right now. Is it a concentration camp? Is it an internment camp? Or is it a summer camp? Hmm. That debate isn't happening in America right now. And please God, it doesn't. This is not a challenge, America. This is not like, hey, the Australians are doing it. Let's, let's follow them. Nope. Don't do internment camps. Learn from your history. You did those in World War II. Not a good idea. One of your dark days. Very racist day as well. I know that's that's ironic coming from the right winger, right? But internment camps are not good. Concentration camps, not good. Even summer and holiday camps, if you can't leave, not good. You can give it the nicest, cutest, oh, shucks name in the world. If I can't leave and you get to control my every movement, I don't care what you call it, not a fan. But here's why I want to take this in a different direction. Because I've heard people starting to have this debate, and it's starting to happen in some places in America as well, but it's happened around the world, I've seen it. Well, I get your concern for freedom. But surely there's a point in time with some disease, maybe it's not COVID, because we've shown COVID is not as you know dangerous and terminal as a lot of people predicted at the start. You know, if you remember some of the numbers that were bandied around when this started right in last February, it's something like a, you know, 20% or 30% mortality rate. But let's say, take COVID out of it. Surely there's a point in time with some disease that we should be able to lock people up. Like, what's your number? 20%? 30%? And if these are actually factually proven and we actually trust the government to report it factually, at some point you have to say, yes, we need to do something, right? Nope. No, you don't. No, you don't. Why? Because you have individual liberties from God. Your rights don't come from government. Your rights don't exist purely from the point of view of, well, you have these rights, but if A, B, and C happens, if there's a disease with a 50% mortality rate, 60% mortality rate, we get to suspend your rights and tell you what to do. No, it doesn't work that way. But I hear people, when they get involved in these debates, they'll talk about something called, well, we have to talk about the limiting principle argument. At what point do you allow these to happen? At what point do you stop? Do not get into this argument. Because you have to understand there is a fundamental difference between American principles and the rest of the world's principles. And this limiting principle argument is not good for Americans to get involved in, and I'm going to tell you why. 
You see, there are many reasons America is unique and exceptional. You guys need to know these. There are certain things that you did that were different than unique. And maybe one day they won't be ex- uh, unique in the sense, or exceptional in the sense of, you will not be the only nation to ever identify these things. But to this day, you are. What is one of those principles? One of those principles is you said that there are certain things that are self-evident truths, that are consistent, that never change. It's like the way water will always wet us and fire will always burn us. There are certain things in our culture that are consistent. They were true in 1776. They're true today in 2021. And if we live for another 3,000 years, they will be true in 5,021. That is what are true. Now, we may disagree on what those self-evident truths are. We may have different interpretations of them. Like I know some of my friends on the left will kind of go, well, you know, I, I get the Bill of Rights, but I'm very uncomfortable with the Second Amendment. Okay. But the First Amendment, we can agree on. Yep, absolutely. How about the Third Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Sixth Amendment? We can agree on all of those. We may disagree on what, which ones are there, but we can agree that there's a principle that there are some truths that are self-evident. By the way, in case you don't think our friends on the left agree with this, some of them do. Not the crazy ones, not the political hacks, but even people of science. They believe there are self-evident truths. They are just trying to explore them. That's what their whole job is. That's scientific discovery. Hey, there's a way of the world we need to find out and we need to put it in scientific terms so man and humans can understand it. They're always seeking those self-evident truths. People in economics are the exact same thing. Hey, there are certain laws of economics that do not change. It doesn't matter whether Trump is president or Biden is president or the Republicans have the House and the Senate or the Democrats have the House and the Senate. If you do certain things, it's likely these things will happen. There are self-evident truths. Why is this important to understand? Because if you want to have a limiting principle argument, you can have it with someone who agrees there are some things that are consistent and never change. I may disagree with you, but let's say you can have that discussion of, hey, well, if we had a disease with a 50% mortality rate, we should be able to lock people down. I will disagree with you, but at least if you believe some things are consistent, that opinion will never change. In the rest of the world, that is not true. The rest of the world does not belong or behold or agree with self-evident truths as an underlying principle. What they believe is democracy. What they believe is populism. What they believe is we are man. And what we all always operate on is what we think is best right here, right now. So if you give in to someone in Europe or around the world or in Australia with the limiting principle argument and says, well, if we have a disease with a 50% mortality rate and they'll agree today to that race, guess what? It means nothing. Why? Because they believe in not a limiting principle. They believe 50% is good in 2021. But if you get to agree with that, if it happens in 2025 or 2030, that number could change to 30% overnight and they will be consistent. Why? Because they believe nothing is consistent, that there is no limiting principle. That it's all about what we think is popular right here, right now. And then that is the slippery slope that we need to understand. We need to start acknowledging that there are reasons America is unique and exceptional. But we also need to understand that right now, because of COVID, 
And you can say COVID is the excuse or COVID is the reason. But governments have a lot of power. And governments are starting to mold the world the way they see fit. Because once you give government power, they will never, ever cease. And they will always look to expand it. I want to give you a quick story. And you might think this is not an important story. You might think, John, I'm an American. This doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect you. But this is something you need to understand about how governments operate. And if you don't start acknowledging your government's problems, this will happen here too. You see, the fundamental question about government and about society is this. Who should mold and shape our future? You see, every other nation in the history of the world, to this day, and in existence today, bar one, said government, or those in power, or the elites, should mold and shape society. That's what you elect us to do. We get to decide. You're seeing this with things like the Green New Deal. You're seeing this with climate change. They're molding the world the way they see fit. They see climate change And let's give them the benefit of doubt, something they never do for us. Let's actually say they are genuinely believe in climate change, that they don't see it as the greatest opportunity to grab power and mold society the way they see fit. Let's say they actually genuinely believe it. They believe that they are the ones to shape society. They are the ones through policy, through regulation, through rules. You're seeing this in Ireland. Hey, we're going to go carbon neutral by 2050. You see this in the United Nations. You see, no, not the United Nations, the EU, sorry, apologies. But you're seeing this, that we have to do all these policies. We need new homes. We need to cut off fossil fuels. We need to get on green energy. We need to get on solar. Even the United Nations, and kudos to them for doing this, by the way. I'm not a big United Nations fan, but I will always say when they do something good, I'll I'll always say it good. If they do something bad, which generally is 99% of the time, they'll say I'll say it's wrong. But even the United Nations, in their climate change agreement and climate change plans, have said, we can't do this without nuclear power. We need more of it. Now, I'm not a big fan of the United Nations. That might come across. But at least they're willing to admit it. That's a giant step because it goes against every precedent that has been set for the last 10, 20, 30 years. It's a big change. Went very silent on the noticed. But it's a big change. But who should shape society? They will say government. That's what we elect them to do. The only nation in the history of the world that said, nope, that is not who shapes society, we do as people, is America. Have you always fulfilled this and achieved this? No, but in theory, that is what your principles stand for. And how do you do this? By your dollar. If you want to give business to someone, you get to decide who's successful. You get to decide who's, you know, selling the best product by your dollar. So whether you love you know, the car is in the Tesla or whether you believe in climate change and you need to do something, yours get to the site with your dollar. Hey, I'm going to go buy a Tesla from Elon Musk. That's how you decide. And if Elon Musk gets to becomes the biggest car seller in, in America or in Europe or in the world, good. That's what your dollar is for. Or if Elon Musk gets to fail because everyone either goes, I don't like Elon Musk. I don't like his car. I don't like his ideology. He speaks out too much. He speaks funny. Whatever reason you don't like Elon Musk and Tesla and you decide not to buy their car, guess what? You get to decide. You're the only nation that said the people decide. The power is actually with the people, not government. 
that we would shape society by our actions or our inactions. What's happening around the world? Well, one story just to share with you of the slippery slope. When you give government power to decide what is best for you, especially in a public health emergency with COVID, it doesn't stop there. New Zealand. And the reason I'm picking this story is one, just to highlight the power of bad government, but also to highlight it because for the longest time, when I would say in my speeches and when I'd say up on the air in my writings, that guess what? If America fails, there is nowhere else to run to. A few people would get up, well, I get you, I agree with you that there is no other America. But, you know, somewhere like New Zealand, it's so far out of the way. You know, it's not a terrorist threat. It's, you know, they seem very nice people. They seem like a nice country to live in. I could see myself if America went to pot going to live in New Zealand. Really? Have you seen what they're doing under coronavirus? They don't love freedom. They despise it. But also, look at this story that I'm about to share with you. New Zealand has unleashed radical new laws. Oh, radical new laws. Oh, I'm excited. You've got me on the edge of my seat, John. What are these new laws about? I love laws. I listen to you. Of course I love laws. Which will stop young people from ever buying cigarettes. Here's the article. New Zealand is planning young people, sorry, is banning young people from ever being allowed to buy cigarettes in a rolling program that aims to make the entire country smoke free by 2025. No one under the age of 14 will ever ever be allowed to buy cigarettes in their lifetime in a desperate bid to eradicate smoking from the country. Hmm. You see, government is all-powerful. We get to decide what is good and what is bad. And right now, government says smoking is bad. And even if they're basing it on truth, like I'm not saying smoking is good for you, but you get to decide. You do, you boo. If you want to smoke, go smoke. You don't want to smoke, don't smoke. But here's the funny thing. I always love the leftist policies. I always love how they, you know what, they'll go, well, you know what we need to do is we need to be compassionate. It's all those right ringers that are racist. I want to read you a line from this article. It spoke about how the Maori population, which is the New Zealand Native American population, they want them to stop smoking. And they're some of the bigger smokers in the nation. If it took natural progression for them to stop smoking, it would be till 2063, sorry, 2061, it would take to eradicate smoking from society. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. You cannot have the Maoris, the native uh, New Zealanders, stopping us reaching and eradicating our goal. What we need to do is ban it. So this policy is actually going to hurt native New Zealanders potentially more than the white New Zealanders, but it's enacted by white people. Imagine Donald Trump doing this policy. And having the same outcome. There would be outroar. Imagine a right winger having this policy. There would be outroar. But yet when a leftist does it, it doesn't matter. It's all good. It's for the betterment of society. Because we are the people to mold society and shape it fit. You need to start understanding there is no other America. That you are unique. Are you perfect? No. Have you got flaws? Yes. If I was president or I was in Congress or I had the power in America, would I shape America different? Yes. How would I shape it different? I would leave it up to you. It's not up to Donald Trump. It's not up to Joe Biden. It's not up to Ron DeSantis or any other politician to shape America's society. It's up to you.
before I finish up today's show, I just want to give you a quick spoiler alert and let you know, next week's show will be the last show of 2021. How scary is that that we're here already? Another year gone. But I want to share with you, because next week's show is going to... I want to share a couple of stories with you about America. I don't want to talk about politics next week or, you know, principles. I want to share a couple of stories with you. And the reason I'm sharing this is to, as I know everyone's busy and I know you're all trying to shop and shopping is really hard in your country right now because no one seems to have anything or no one seems to have the right size or the right color or whatever you're looking for. I want to just ask you, do not miss next week's show. And please share it with a friend. Because if you're lacking in hope, I need you to remind you of America's story. You know, there are not many things I can say in life what I have to do. One of my missions, especially now that I'm going to be living here at some point in 2022, please God, is I need to be America's storyteller. You need to appreciate how amazing you are. Are you perfect? No, but you are so amazing. If I could have one wish, if I had one wish from the genie, it would be that every American, whether you love America or hate America, could truly see from an outsider's eyes of just how amazing you are and just how much you have changed the world. Has it all been perfect? No. But just how much you have influenced so many people, it is amazing. So don't miss that show. I want to finish off today's show by talking to you about something important. And laying the groundwork for what I'm going to be talking to you about a lot in 2022. Because 2022, I'm going to be doing a lot of speaking. And the whole focus of my year in 2022 is going to be talking to you about the choice America has. And it's not a political choice. It's a simple choice. Will you have a great reset? Or will you have a great revival? I'm going to be doing everything I can to highlight the two stark differences, all the advantages that we have right now, all the opportunities that are in front of our eyes right now to make the argument for America's founding principles, to have an impact on influence on your culture that we have not had this opportunity for for the longest time, for as long as I have been involved in your politics and following your politics. We have never had more opportunities to make the case for freedom than we have right now but first before we do that we need to start having honest hard conversations and start admitting the problems in society i want to highlight two quick problems for you because unless you admit the problem you can never defeat it what's the first problem i love your country i love your people so much But man, have you got your priorities screwed up at times. I want to share a couple of stories with you. And I'm going to share two stories at the same time. And I'm going to ask you, which has more impact on your life? Or which is bigger in the grand scheme of things? Kyle Rittenhouse or Vladimir Putin setting up uh, troops on the Ukrainian border and going to annex yet another country in Europe. Which is more important to you? Now, I know people might say, well, Kyle Rittenhouse is a big story, and that's an America, and why should I care about Ukraine? I know people will say, but John, are you dismissing Kyle Rittenhouse? No, I think it's a big, big story. But which deserves more media attention? One of a young boy who did something, whether you like it or not, but didn't go out to kill people that night. 
He should have been found innocent. It was a great victory for your justice system. It actually gave some people like me hope that, hey, it's not all that's lost. But which is a bigger story, that or Ukraine? But yet, look at all the constant focus on Kyle Rittenhouse. Look at all the ink that has been spread about that young man. And a lot of the ink really bad and disgusting. Oh, he's a white supremacist. He killed three white people. Well, he's a bad white supremacist then, but he's a white supremacist. He's probably a Trump supporter. Mm Mm-hmm. Really? Look at what Ukraine is doing. Or look at what Putin is doing in Europe. Now, before people start coming, well, are you becoming a neocon, Johnny? What are, you, what are you saying? America should invade them or, you know, should stop them or should we do preemptive strikes? No. I'm not the, the war guy. But I am the guy that says, you know what? You should speak loudly. And there are lines in the sand. And if you cross those lines, you are, you're not going to like what we do to you. Because Putin is invading Europe very slowly. Started with Crimea. Well, it's just Crimea. Mm-hmm. What evil dictator, and that's what Putin is, I know there's been this changing of opinion in America over the last 15 years on whether Putin is a good guy or a bad guy, or if Putin is really as bad as everyone like me says he is. He is. He is legitimately one of the worst SOBs to ever live. But now he's after Ukraine. Do you think he's going to stop at Ukraine? At what point is your line in the sand? Or are you willing to give up all of Europe to Russia? Are you comfortable with the Soviet Union being run by the ex-KGB person who is still so trained in his ways when he walks his trigger hand, i.e. the hand he used to carry a gun where the gun was holstered to his hip, never leaves that point and the other hand swings. That is how well he is trained. The person who is so bitter about America being the one to cripple the Soviet Union. Are you okay with Mother Russia Controlling all of Europe. Because who's going to stand up to them? Germany? (laughs) Really? (laughs) Maybe a bit, but not much. Italy? France? Oh, I'm sure the French would give them such a fight. Yeah, because the the Frenchy man with the the baguettes and the butter uh, can totally match the the cold-hearted cooler that Vladimir Putin is. Hmm? Who's going to stand up to them? England? Really? They're also focused on COVID and lockdowns that it seems Vladimir Putin is literally sending all those troops and no one seems to want to say anything. That's the first story. The second story. Oh, Jussie Smuley. Oh, found guilty this week. Good. Is that a bigger story? Or is what's happening with China and Taiwan a bigger story? Well, John, you seem to be talking a lot about foreign policy. I don't care what happens around the world. Really? Maybe you should just think about starting. Because yes, Jesse Smule, and yes, it's another victory for the justice system that found him guilty. And hopefully that sends a loud message to everyone around America. That racism is a serious topic, and the American people will deal with real racists, but we will not deal with phony accusations. That we need to start sending a message that there is enough problems in our world. We don't need to add to them by fake BS stories. Or Taiwan. Because no one wants to talk about Taiwan. But John, I'm an American. Why should I care about Taiwan? Well, China is threatening Taiwan. 
And when you understand the geographics of what I just spoke about in Ukraine, Ukraine has a lot more people. Ukraine has potentially a lot more influence than Taiwan to the average person who doesn't know what's happening in Taiwan right now. What happens if you do nothing on Russia and Ukraine? Do you think China's going to look at that? Well, they did nothing for Ukraine. The way they stopped me for Taiwan, it's so insignificant. The average person doesn't understand why Taiwan is massively significant to your life. And yes, when I say your life, I mean your life as an American. Why is it significant? Because you know that computer you love to draw, use, your iPad, your phone, you know all that technology? What's that run on? It's run on many things, but one of the key components of any device is called a chip. Who is the biggest manufacturer of chips in the world? It's not China, it's Taiwan. The second biggest is China. Now, if China invades Taiwan and takes it over, you will literally be dependent on China to create your chips. Do you want that to happen? Bearing in mind, they have things like TikTok, which they openly admit they spy on you on. They have malware on it. This is not a secret. That's why people said, don't download TikTok. It's not a good app. Well, people did it anyway. Now, can you imagine what power they would possess over you? Oh, you need a chip for your missiles, or you need a chip for your guidance system, or you need chips for your cars. Sure, we'll give them to you. But it comes with a price. It comes with a clause attached. Which is a bigger story? Third story. Thomas Massey. Thomas Massey is a great congressman from Kentucky. What did he do? Well, he had the audacity of taking a Christmas picture. Wait for it. Wait for it. You're going to sit down for this because this, this might blow your mind. You, 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 won't, you will not be happy when you hear what Thomas Massey did. <gasps> Thomas Massey had the audacity to take a picture with his family. Ready? In front of a Christmas tree. And this is the really shocking part. And every member of his family, including himself. Oh my God, I feel triggered. He had a gun. That became a big story in your country. Which is a bigger story? That or the report that China has committed genocide against the Uyghur people in its own nation? Which is a bigger story? Which is a bigger story? You see, I'm not saying the Kyle Rittenhouse or the Jesse Smollett or the Thomas, well, the Thomas Massey story is BS. But the other two stories, I'm not saying you shouldn't write about them. I'm saying you should write about them in proportion. Which is bigger? Which is more important? Which is more influence over your life? Which is more impact on your life? Which is more impact on the rest of the world? You see, we need to start getting our priorities straight. Because if we keep going down this rabbit hole of BS stories and following the constant trail of crumbs, our leftist friends want to go, oh, here, here's a crumb, go chase that crumb, go chase that crumb, go chase that crumb. And we take our eye off the ball, we lose. We need to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. We need to deal with the leftist crap, but we need to start laying the groundwork of what we are for. Because when was the last time you heard anyone articulate what America is for? Laying out a vision. When was the last time you heard this? Because here's where I give you and bring it home. It's time to admit the second problem. 
You know one of my biggest frustrations with a lot of my friends on the right? And I, I say this on the air, but I say this even more severely to my friends in private. I am sick to death of any time we talk about America's problems highlighting just how bad the left are, and that's all they do. I have friends who do speeches, and I, I go, wait, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, I'm highlighting why the left are a detriment to a society, and we need to defeat them. Okay. And you're going to talk about it else? No, it's just the left. We act like the left are the big Satan, and the right are absolutely perfect. We need to start admitting that if we want to solve America's problems, and we want to choose the Great Revival over the Great Reset, we need to start acknowledging and speaking out just as vehemently against the rice. And I'm going to share one story with you. Just one story in a recent list of stories that the right have done in your country that you need to be equally as disgusted about and equally as vocal about. So there's an issue in your country right now. The debt ceiling. And we love playing these games. Oh, we need to raise the debt ceiling. I think I, I know I spoke about it on the air because I included it in my speech. I was so disgusted at what the Republicans did, where they voted with the Democrats last time to raise the debt ceiling for $440 billion, I think it was, till Christmas. Well, here we are. It's nearly Christmas. The debt ceiling needs to be raised. And what are the Republicans doing? The Republicans are yet again in the Senate in bed with the Democrats. What are they doing? Mitch McConnell is asking 10 Republicans to vote with the Democrats to suspend the rules and give it a straight majority vote on the debt ceiling. And once they do it before January 23rd, they won't need one Republican to raise the debt ceiling. Why is this so bad? First off, basic politics I don't talk politics very often in your country. It's not my job. But I'm not stupid. I'm not naive. Why right now, if you're a Republican, would you even give the time of day to a Democrat? They're constantly doing this January 6th farce in the House. And I'm not a Trump supporter. If I say it's a farce, it's pretty much a sure thing. And I'm not saying trust me. Question everything I say. But I'm not exactly Donald Trump. Yay! But I'm a fair guy. I, when Donald Trump did good things, I said it. When he did things I disagreed with, I highlighted that as well. But it's a farce what's happening in your house. You have this constant farce in the house. Let's say I'm a Republican. Let's say I'm Mitch McConnell. And, I, and I'm not saying I'm me. I'm just saying I'm Mitch McConnell. And I see what's going on in the house. And Chuck Schumer approaches me. Do you know what my reaction is? Hey, hey there, Mitch. Oh, it's Chuck Schumer here. I want to talk to you about doing a potential deal on the debt ceiling. Here's my response, as Mitch McConnell should be. <laughs> you can't see what action I'm doing with my hand right now. But trust me, you can you can use your imagination. And it's pretty close to what I'm doing. Go swivel on it. Or if you wanted to make a deal, okay, cool, you want to make a deal under that ceiling? Here's my terms. You end the charade in the House on the January 6th commission, then I'll give you your debt deal. But did that happen? Nope. He's just looking for 10 Republicans to come together. Why is this a big story? Because yet again, who's going to pay the price of this? Who's going to pay the cost of raising your debt ceiling once again? Do you think it's Mitch McConnell? Nope. 
Is it Chuck Schumer? Nope. Is it any politician in the House or the Senate or the President? Nope, nope, and nope. Heck, I'll even go one step further. Is it any American living right now? Probably not. Maybe, maybe not. The people who this affects the most is the unborn. The unborn. The people who are yet to breathe their first breath in this country. Who, when they're born in this country, will be saddled with so much debt. And no one seems to want to pay it anything but lip service. At what point do you admit the problem? And by the way, in case people say, well, this is why we need the House and the Senate in 2022. Really? It's not the just the left. The deck grows under the right are just as horrifically bad on spending as the left. And in some cases, they're worse. If you want to solve America's problems, start, yes, by calling out the left. Yes, add to it by calling out the right. But start laying the groundwork of what you are for as a nation. And in case that wasn't enough to get you angry about the Republican Party, let me add one other thing to it. Your Declaration of Independence, your founding, founding document. I know when I'm work at the blaze where we talk about the Bill of Rights being the most important document. This is where I disagree with a lot of the people on the blaze. It is not the most important document. And by the way, yes, I have told people my opinion on this. It is not the most important document. It's not even the Constitution that's the most important document. The most important document in American history is the Declaration of Independence. Why? Because without the Declaration of Independence, there is no Constitution and there is no Bill of Rights. The groundwork, the foundation, is the Declaration of Independence. And what does the Declaration say is the first right from your Creator? It is the right to life. We are on the verge that potentially in 2022, Roe vs. Wade is gone. And what are some Republicans saying? Oh my God. If they overturn this, you know, the left will be galvanized. We might lose our majority in the House and the Senate. Oh no. Really? First off, really? There are not many hills I say people should die on. And this is again is where I disagree with a lot of conservatives even, where they talk about what hill are you willing to die on, that we need to get away from these social issues. No. Because we can talk about tax policy, we can talk about our rights all day long, but if you do not have respect for life, all those other discussions are irrelevant. Because eventually they come for you. But second of all, of all the polling, of all the issues, there are certain issues that have cross-party support. Things like voting IDs, but also abortion. The American people don't want abortion willy-nilly. The vast majority of Americans, even though I disagree with a lot of these Americans, the vast majority of them actually wanted a safe, legal, and rare. But rare being the key word. Yet now they're worried that if you actually overturn it, and all overturning Roe versus Wade is, it's not banning abortion. It just sends it back to the states, to the individual states. You think New York is going to ban abortion? You think California is going to ban abortion? You think Michigan's going to ban abortion? You think uh, somewhere like Maine is going to ban abortion? You think all these states, Chicago, Illinois, is going to ban abortion? No. There's, even if Roe is overturned, abortion will still be around. But yet you have this loser mentality. <gasps> oh my God, if they overturn it, we, we, we could lose the House and the Senate. Oh my God. Then start making the arguments. 
You have several months before Roe, the decision on Roe versus Wade comes out. Several months. Start laying the groundwork of why you are the party of life. This is an easy argument to make. It should not be controversial. Who listens to this argument? And forget the crazy leftists. Who listens to the argument? Hey, you know what we are as a party? We're many things. You may like us. You may dislike us. But the one thing we are, we are as a party of life that we say Everyone has an opportunity at life that everyone, regardless of where you come from, regardless of your race, regardless of your sexuality, because I know they're big things to my friends on the left, regardless of those, you have an opportunity. You have a right that no one has a right to take away from you of life. That is a powerful message. Start making that your narrative. And then guess what? If the court rules and overturns Roe versus Wade and removes it, you have laid the groundwork and then you are the party of life. And who is America going to choose? We need to start giving the American people the option. And I'll finish up with this point. Martin Luther King once said, and I agree with him, that when the American people are given two choices, the choice of good and the choice of evil, the American people will always choose good. The problem in your country is not that that has been eradicated or that the American people are not like that anymore. The problem is, is you're not being given a choice to choose good. It's time to make the stark choices. It's time to stop giving the moderate, mushed down BS version of freedom and start giving the American people real good. Start giving them the option. That's why in 2022, I'll be talking about the Great Reset, really, really bad, it's evil, it's vile, it's racist, it's disgusting, or the Great Revival, the Great Revival of a set of principles which changed the world and can do so again. It's time to make the choice. It's time to admit the problem, America, and it's time to choose the Great Reset or the Great Revival. As always, I salute you, the American people. Because contrary to what you hear, and contrary to what many of you may feel, especially right now about how, because how divided you are, I still believe, and as someone who has traveled 15 states recently, I can say this is true because of my interactions. The sentiments of Tocqueville hold true today. America is great because Americans are good. America is great because Americans are good. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.